Entrepreneurs can get stuck in their head, challenged by their thoughts, the voice in their head, and their beliefs. We chat with successful entrepreneurs who share their journey and the lessons learned along the way. The Add Valued Entrepreneurs podcast is edutaining, leaving you with actionable advice to transform your life and create a thriving business that aligns with your values and goals. Our conversations are for entrepreneurs who want more freedom and fulfillment from their work so they can live the life they desire. You deserve it. It is possible. It's time for you to add value. This episode is brought to you by the newly released book, The Entrepreneur Mindset Shift, Growth Characteristics of Success by Robert C. Peterson. Available on Amazon, or you can order a personalized signed copy at addvalue2life.com slash shift. Our guest today is Mike Peterson. Mike has been a serial entrepreneur since the age of 10. Having realized at a very early age that grit, determination, and a no-quit attitude can take you a long way. He launched his first golf fitness membership website back in the early 2000s and took it to a seven-figure business. Gaining a high level of knowledge of digital marketing, Mike now consults as a fractional growth expert with CEOs, business owners, and founders who need help with marketing strategy and implementation. Mike Peterson discusses the power of marketing and making yourself known in your space. We talk about how success loves speed and how the wealthy use their money to make money, not as an end game. Your brand and marketing should be transparent. Bait and switch and hiding your price isn't necessary to get conversions. Is your marketing strategy about you or about your client's success? Mike shares a test to help you check. Well, Michael, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm looking forward to a, a great conversation, just learning about your journey and uh, how you're putting value out in the world. Robert, thank you so much for having me. It was great when I came across you on LinkedIn and saw your podcast. I thought, I love the idea of add value. That is, that's been a big thing my whole entire life, really, where I think even on LinkedIn, we all kind of know there are a lot of people that don't add value <laughs> and that hit that inbox, right? They hit that inbox. Yeah, that's uh, the, the LinkedIn. I, I wonder if LinkedIn's uh, training when you pay for the, the LinkedIn Plus it, it includes, hey, message everybody you can and then make sure as soon as they accept you, you message their inbox too. <laughs> and you make sure you cut and paste a message that's about that long, that long, and it just says everything that they, they sell you as much as they can in that first message. Uh, yep. We will solve all of your problems if you just send us your money. <laughs> and even if they don't know what your problems are. Right. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know that there's definitely uh, uh it's it's kind of bait and switch, right? Hey, you look you look like we make you know familiar uh businesses and you'd make a good connection. Let let's connect. And so you connect and then first thing they do is hit your inbox with with a sales pitch. Um it's definitely the modern spam. <laughs> yeah, well, and it's crazy when you think of how long LinkedIn's been around and you think of, you know, um when I accept a connection request from a salesperson or a marketing person. Right there, I, I just, I'm crossing my fingers going, please don't pitch me, please don't pitch me. And 90 plus percent of the time, they pitch me. Yeah. And and I have a couple, on a couple occasions, they have caught me at the wrong time <laughs> and I will send them a nice message back, right? <laughs> and I'll just say, you know, it's 2022, dude. Who taught you how to, to network and how to prospect because you don't know me. You don't know if I have problems, if I'm looking for a solution, you don't know anything. So please learn how to prospect correctly. 
Well, and 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 obviously in marketing, it's it's add value, right? Add add some oh, value yeah. first. Put yourself out there first. You know, for me, the add value is really about it's it's lifestyle. I want to add value to everybody I come in contact with, including the grocery store clerk, you know, exactly. the kid, the kid right. walking his dog, the the and and even if that add value is just a smile or hey, have a nice day right. or you know just words of encouragement. So my role in in this world, I believe, is is to encourage others and lift them up and and help people be the people they were created to be. Yeah, I, I love that. You know, I'm a I'm I'm extremely active. My athletic background has kind of carried on to my later life, and uh, I work out seven days a week. So I um and uh, every Saturday I hike, and even on hikes, right? I smile and I hike. I go hard. I don't go easy. I go hard. <laughs> But I'm smiling at everybody on the way up because nice. all it takes, God, you know, that little split second of a smile, somebody, you know, is coming down, I'm going up and maybe they're just, you know, they're in not a good space. They see a smile and boom, you know, so I, I'm with you on that. It's it's not just in the work environment. It's 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 everywhere. It's really Absolutely. everywhere. Absolutely. All right, Michael, let's dig into this thing. What's uh, let's talk about your entrepreneurial journey. Well, you know, as I told you before the recording started, you know, a lot of people have the story of delivering papers and a paper out when they were young, right? Which I do have that story. But uh, yeah, so I, I truly, it really is crazy to think this, but I've been an entrepreneur since the age of 10. Since the nice. age of 10, I was, I was uh, mowing lawns with my lawnmower um, in the summertime, knocking on doors, neighbors' doors, and saying, hi, dog, Mr. Johnson, can I mow your yard? And I'd get probably one yes out of every 10 knocks, <laughs> and I'd get five bucks a yard. And this is the cool thing about this. Think about this for a minute. So this was a long time ago. This, is a, <laughs> this was this was 40, well, well over 40 years ago, right? And so imagine if, you, if we factor in inflation with $5 40 years ago, can you imagine a 10-year-old nowadays, which is unheard of, nobody, I, I don't, I've never heard of a kid nowadays doing this, but can you imagine if they knocked on a door now and if you factored in inflation, what's the dollar amount now? <laughs> 30 a yard, 40 a yard? I mean, a 10-year-old kid, he'd be rich. They'd be rich. They they could certainly do pretty well if, yeah. if they made, made the effort. Well, I, I think that's true with, you know, any intention, right? If you have the intention to provide a service, mow the lawn, and you you deserve to get compensated for it. And so, um, obviously, if you figure that out as a kid, it really can motivate you to take on some of these entrepreneurial challenges. And and I think there's real power in having gone door to door and, oh, and getting getting one out of ten and feel recognizing that hey, that one out of ten is pretty good. It's worth yeah, doing, you know, it's, it's worth so doing funny. it again. Yeah, it's so funny because I didn't look at the nine no's. I didn't know any better. So I just, I knew I wanted to make money. So I thought I'm going to keep knocking until somebody says yes. Mm. And, you know, it might, you know, on a Saturday, it might be the fifth or sixth knock. But I just kept going. I was like, you know what? I want to make some money today. Absolutely. And yeah. So, and I would average about two yards every time I went out and did it. So, you know, way back then at 10 years old, I, I had 10 bucks in my hand. There you go. <laughs> so it was, uh, and so just the taste of that, that, you know, being so hungry to want that, to want to make some money um, and have that ambition to keep knocking on doors when I, 
you know, no, 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 no. It, uh, I think that really instilled a lot in me uh, to this day, for sure. Nice. So what drove you to start your current iteration as an entrepreneur? Well, gosh, I mean, um, my background goes back to athletics. I was on a full ride scholarship in track and field in college up at Oregon State Division One College. And sports was my life. Sports and, and fitness was my life. I started working out when I was 11 years old in my basement. I was lifting weights at the age of 11, way, way before weights was even popular. And uh, once I graduated college, I competed for Canada in decathlon in track and field. Wow. And I took it like to the next level. And then I was, you know, almost made the Olympic team for Canada way back in the day for a decathlon. And then when that was done, um, I thought, well, gosh, what do I do for a career? And I thought, well, fitness and athletics have been my life. I did get a degree in exercise physiology. So I became a private fitness trainer, not in the gyms, because when I went into the gym and they do it, trainers, this happens to trainers today. When you go into a gym, they take 50% or more. So the first, you know, I was 26 or seven when I retired from track. And that first gym I went to in Portland, Oregon, the guy says, yeah, we want you. This sounds great. Your background's awesome. Here's what you're going to make. And I go, well, what's, what's the full rate? And he said, whatever the number was, right? And I said, well, so I'm making 50%? Oh, that's standard. And I kind of was like, yeah, no, I'm not doing that. And <laughs> I walked out and then I met a gentleman who was personal training in the home, going to people's homes, which was his own business, not working for anybody. And I carved out a niche training male CEOs in Portland, Oregon, in their home back in the day. And these guys were power guys. These guys were written up in newspapers. Once I got one, I got about seven of them. Wow. And these guys were, I mean, you know, multi-multi-millionaires. You know, I mean, some of them had sold their businesses for $50, $60 million. And I came in this cocksure, confident, athletic guy. They loved it. They loved it because I didn't treat them any different. I was like, you need me. You need me. And then um, after that, I launched the, the world's first golf fitness membership website in the world back in 2001. Wow. So I, I, I put together my fitness background and I grabbed a golf club and got rabid, crazy rabid with a golf club. And I launched this website with a, a friend who had launched a, a pure fitness membership website. And I took this bloody thing to seven figures in four years by myself. Nice. And wow. you know, I had 93,000 subscribers to my email list. Uh, I was ranked number one in the world, in the world for like in uh, Google search. Uh, somebody typed in golf tips, golf training, golf exercises. I was ranked number one in the world. So I built this authority website, didn't know what it really was at the time. And, um, you know, I, I would do a content page that was 1600 words long, was had three to five optimized images and two embedded videos on one web page. <laughs> and I had 50 pages like that on this website, 50 wow. of them. So, it, you know, I was doing content marketing and video marketing before they called it that. <laughs> it, wow. it, it wasn't called content marketing. I was just doing it. So I, I learned my chops with that. And then the crash of 08. I had two young kids and, and a, a at-home wife staring up at me going, what are you going to do now, buddy? <laughs> In the 08 crash, um, my market just plummeted. And I thought, I know how to make a living on the internet, a, a real living, like a really good living. And I started working with local businesses. And I started working with some dentists. 
Um, I, got, I kind of fell into the dental niche. I met a dental consultant. We, we met for a five-minute coffee at a Starbucks, and it turned into a four-hour meeting. <laughs> and at the end of the meeting, he said, I've been looking for a guy like you that knows the internet like you know it. And he handed me 13 dent- dental clients overnight. Just wow. handed them to me. And I was like, wow, I, I guess this is my new gig, my new, my new thing. And I worked with dentists for about 10 years. And then kind of, it was time for a change. I, I just time for a change. And then when COVID hit, all their offices were closed. Right. Well, they all paused their marketing. Well, guess what happened to my revenues? <laughs> it paused. The revenues paused as well. So I'm like, okay, now what am I going to do? Right. So it just all these phases of my life, pivot, 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 pivot. And I started working. I spread it out to not so much of a, a, a centralized niche of dentistry. And gosh, I had clients that were, you know, HVAC clients, plumbing clients. Uh, I had a couple of law firms and I started consulting with them. And I had an agency that was now outside of dentistry. And we did everything from website design to website usability to content marketing, video marketing, Google ads, Facebook, all of it, right? All, everything related to digital marketing. Hmm. And then I did that for these last few years. And now I've transitioned into really just wanting to be a consultant, wanting to be sort of on the kind of fractional CMO, fractional marketing director, where I work with a little bit bigger businesses than just like a, like a dental office. You know, a little more established, maybe has a couple of uh, marketing people in-house, uh, maybe has a couple of sales people in-house, and I come in and, and set strategy and help them implement and execute. Nice. So that's what I'm doing. There, there's Obviously, there's a ton of ton of stuff, ton of value in, in your story there, but one of the first things you mentioned was when you first decided to work with male CEOs in their homes and, and the value of connection. Oh, Let's let's dig into let's dig into connection and how making those connections made made such a big difference in your business. Well, and I love how you're all about connections, too, because that's what this world is made of. You know, it really I mean, I don't care. If it's LinkedIn. You go to your local coffee shop. It doesn't matter. You can connect with anybody at any time. Absolutely. And, you, and I've always I've always said this to, to people, even like when I pay it forward, and mentor young kids. I'll say, you know, when you're standing in line at a Starbucks, pay attention because you, you could be standing next to your next boss or you could be standing next to your next business partner in line, right? So when I got that first CEO, he was um, he had just sold his company for $62 million, was written all over the paper, newspapers, and I, he was referred to me through a in-home fitness store. Nice. Uh, I, I was smart enough to link up with the in-home fitness store and be their trainer on kind of reference. So if somebody came in and bought a treadmill, they give them my name. That's great. And I would go into the home and talk to them and do my thing. And they'd either hire me or they wouldn't hire me. And I got this gentleman. And um, he was really funny because, you know, he was riding high. He was just sold the company, was worth lots of money. And he was really testing me at, across his kitchen table. I'll never forget it. He was really pushing me like, why do I need you? And what are you doing in my home? And just really... And I just, I sat there and took it all and was like, you need me. That's why I'm sitting here. You need me. And he loved it. And so I started training him and got him some great results. And next thing I know, he says, hey, are you taking on any clients? And I said, well, sure, of course. And he referred to me, one of his buddies that was a CEO. And then it just, it just Mm -hmm. took off because 
it, it came down to he really enjoyed it and he got results. He enjoyed the camaraderie of this recently ex-athlete guy coming into his home, not treating him any, not treating him special. Not I don't care if you got fifty million dollars. Doesn't matter to me, right? I mean, you're just a guy. You're just a man. So let's go. So yeah. that connection. And then I got invited to some company events. You know, some of you know these guys' companies' events, and people said, "Hey, I've heard all about you. Tell me what, what's this deal? What do you do? You come at home and you do what now?" And um, so that really kind of opened my eyes up to networking with really affluent, successful people, very powerful people. And, um, you know, gosh, back then I was only, I don't know, 26, 27 years old. I, you know, I was, I was not a seasoned veteran at networking or socializing with affluent people. I just dove in and I, I just did it. Nice. Well, and, and, and that, that's the reality, right, is that they are no different. <laughs> They they have the same issues that every one of us has. They have the same fears that, that every one of us has. Now they've probably handled them a little different than, than yeah. most of us have, but but they still put on their pants one leg at a time. <laughs> I always say that. I, I say that phrase right there. It's like, you know what, you well, and being in the, the, the track and field um area um in college, some of my best buddies were world class athletes. Mm. World class. World, well, and my training partner in Canada that year got the bronze medal in the decathlon in the Olympics. Nice. And he was my training partner. So, you know, I've been surrounded by very, very driven, ambitious, successful people my whole life. Nice. And um, I love gravitate. I gravitate to people like that. So when I get on a call with the CEO talking about their business and marketing and growing revenues, that's just my wheelhouse. It just, it's, I'm so comfortable doing it, you know, so I don't care if it's a $50 million business a 20, it doesn't matter to me. I mean, let's just talk about your issues and see if I can help you. Yeah. Well, let's talk about that. The power of obviously Jim Rohn says, you know, you become like, like the five people that you hang oh, yeah. out with. And so let's, let's talk about that power of, of association, that power of, of working with affluent people, networking with affluent people, uh, training with successful people, um, how how much has that amplified your growth? Oh, massive. You know, um, some of the clients I trained that, that were super wealthy, they they gave me money advice. They gave me, you know, investment advice. You know, they're like, hey, you know, uh, one of my clients, um, very wealthy man, very wealthy man, he said something to me that was so profound that I, I just walked away from his house almost floating, which is he said, wealthy people get their money to make money you know, poor people spend their money. And I was like, wealthy people get their money to make money. Wow. Okay. That's never thought about it like that. Right. You know, and, and that's obviously we're talking about investments and compounding and all that. But, you know, back then I had two young kids and I was just grinding. I was just, you know, going from home to home to home, um, you know, providing for my family. So when he said that to me, Gosh, that just was like wealthy people get their money to make more money. And I was like, that that really stuck with me. And that was 21 years ago. I heard that. Well, and it's and it's absolutely true. You look at the majority of our culture today is is using somebody else's money rather than using their money to make money. <laughs> right. They're borrowing you know, they're borrowing, they're using credit, they're using, you know, digging into, and so they're indebted to the people who, guess what, 
<laughs> making money all off, the off their money. <laughs> yeah, well, well, I, you know, as a society, I don't want to get into all this, but you know, we were sold this lifestyle, right? The white picket fence, the home, the 2.2 kids, the dog, the, we were sold all of that. And I think, I think that's changing rapidly. I think this, you know, I think, don't quote me on this, but I think the marriage rate is plummeting, the percent of people getting married, the percentage of people having children is going way down. Do I think that's good or bad? I, I'm not going to make an opinion on that, but it lets you know people, they want to have a life. Yeah. People, you know, the great resignation, you know, people, people, the work-life balance is becoming so critical now. And I think it, it's almost as if we've seen a shift from the power being with the employer to being with the employee. Right. Well, and that shift should happen in the eighties, right? When, when, when in the eighties, when the market tanked and, and, you know, it was really the first recession most of us historically were at least aware of. Yep. Right. I mean, I was I was a kid, but it certainly impacted my parents. And and pretty much since then, it shifted to the stockholders. Right. The, the oh. way the stock market worked and all those things had shifted right prior to that. And, you know, my dad and his dad and, and my grandfather were people that worked for companies 25, 30 years, 40 years. And, wow. and, they were, and they were loyal to their retirement. The company was loyal to them and, and rewarded them for their loyalty. And now, you know, corporate numbers since the 80s, corporate numbers drive it. And a company will lay you off in a heartbeat to to get the numbers at the end of the quarter, to get the numbers that the stockholders are are, are begging for. And I think you're right. The great resignation is a huge sign of, of the employees saying, hey, you've been doing all this on our backs and it's our turn to get a piece of this. And so there, there has to be a model of business that benefits the stockholder, benefits the CEO and benefits the employees, all while providing a fantastic service for the customers who are paying for it. Well, and, and, and I think that's a very, it, it, you know, it might be, you know, the, the CEOs of the world might find it challenging um, to go through this transition, but it's going to have to happen and it is happening. Right. So I think, um, and I do feel like everybody really does, you know, a job is a job, right. You know, and a lot of people are passionate about their jobs. I'm passionate about my job. I love, I love getting on phone calls with clients and, and doing monthly reviews and, and going over our markets. I love it. Um, it is a job. It is a job. And, you know, at the end of the day, you know, life flies by, you know, life flies by. And I, I think a lot of people that self-reflect like I do, um, I do not want to be near my end and think, well, oh, I want to work one more day. I want to kill myself one more day. Right. Like, you know, it's so I think a lot of people want that freedom. And that's why I chose to be an entrepreneur at the age of 10. I mean, it's kind of funny to say that, but it I, really honestly, I've never I mean, I did work for a grocery store in high school. So I guess I had a Boston high school grocery store. Uh, but I really have worked my, for myself my entire life, basically. Yeah, there's there's obviously huge benefits to to building a business. And, and even more and more, I think, like you said, the great resignation, there's more and more people recognizing their ability to to solve a problem, bring a solution to market. And I believe entrepreneurs are the saviors of the world, the entrepreneurs 100%. are the ones that are going to solve so many more problems because they, they pivot faster than corporations do. They respond better. And the entrepreneurs that are successful are the ones that are going to solve, you know, poverty and homelessness and, and have a bigger impact in some of those places because 
they can be more creative and and right. innovative and and of course the the faster they can pivot and get themselves involved is just you know there's a there's an advantage to speed and momentum oh boy you know what's that um success loves speed right <laughs> I, 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 I had a client of mine a consulting client um he had a great great business um it was like a 20 million dollar business and i was there i guess you could call me call me their fractional cmo about a year ago and it was fast paced. I mean, we moved so fast. And he used to always say, you know, success loves speed. He said almost on every call, every call. And we moved fast. But, you know, it's funny when you think of what you just said, entrepreneurs, uh, the good ones are, are they can pivot quickly and they can move fast. And um, when you think of what do the big established companies end up doing? They end up acquiring those, the entrepreneurs, right? You know, when an entrepreneur starts a business, you know, and it's some little tiny business that turns into a $10 million business, then the big guy comes in and says, I want it. And so basically, the, the all, uh, what you see, what I see a lot is the bigger companies just spend their time acquiring these successful entrepreneurial businesses, right? Over and over and over again. Absolutely. So, so you, there's a common theme here of all these successful entrepreneurs that build something. And if they do want to sell it, then the big guy comes in and buys it. So yep. there you go. All right. So you mentioned connection and the power of, of those relationships, but let's let's go a little deeper into specifically mentorship and what have what have mentors meant on your journey? Oh, huge, huge. I mean, uh, you know, just to be in the home with these these CEOs, you know, and hear them talk about because I really wanted them to talk about business as I was training them. I did because I loved it. Like I was like, these guys would, you know, say, oh, you don't want to hear about this stuff. I said, yeah, I do. Yeah, I do. And they say, okay, well, you know, we're doing this, we're launching this product, we're doing that. that. I just thought it was fascinating. And so I would ask lots of questions like, hey, when you launch this product, like how, how do people find out about it? You know what? So I was kind of prepping myself for marketing, even when I was a private trainer 25 years ago, you know, I was, I had that inquisitive mind to know, well, how, how are you going to be successful? How do you know you're going to be successful? How's this work? And like, well, we don't know for sure, but we've got a prototype. We've got this. We've got that. We're taking it to market. And, you know, I, I asked so many questions of them that I, I probably forced most of them to be a mentor. I, I probably forced them just because I was so inquisitive, right? I wanted to know, how did you become successful? What did you do? And like you said, it was a lot of connections, re relationships, getting to know people, knowing the right people at the right time. So when you talk about connection, all these these clients of mine back in the day, they all said, you know, hey, I, I met the right person at the right time. Mm, you know, so it's timing and luck and all of that. Well, and, and so many people would call it luck. And yet there's preparation. Oh. <laughs> preparation helps the recognition of opportunity. And I think most everybody that's walking on this planet you mentioned it, right? Pay attention to who you're in line in Starbucks with. Pay attention to to who you're chatting or with or, or around because because that could be that next that next connection that makes all the difference in the world. And and it's not. I don't believe in luck. I believe in opportunity. And, and it and it's opportunities there for everybody. But the only ones who recognize it are those that have been prepared. You you just said such a huge thing that I want to kind of go back on real quick. Um, 
no matter how tough the situation, you know, this last one, I hate even bringing up the word, but you know, COVID, it was, it was dramatic and all of that. I, I get it. But all these different things happen, you know, the crash of 08, you know, the dot-com crash, all these things happen. And you've got a couple of choices here in life. You can, um, and I don't want to downplay it. I really don't want to downplay it. I don't, but you can play the victim and you can just say, wow, it, it happened to me. And this is what I got. Or you can say, you know, um, I think I heard a statement one time. God, I'd love to, I should have Googled this beforehand, but it just came to me. More millionaires are, more millionaires are created in downturns than at any other time. Now, don't quote me on that because there might be somebody that listens to this and you post this on LinkedIn. They go, he's wrong. He's wrong. But, but it does make sense, right? That a lot of people, you know, COVID, people selling masks, remote work, Zoom, all of these companies, boom went through the roof when COVID hit, right? So that whole, anything that, that became remote related exploded. And, and now remote work is very common and pretty much expected in every in company now, if you don't have some facet of flexible hours or remote work, you're, you're, you're not gonna be a desirable company for a person to work for. Well, and it, and it, it was those companies that responded rather than reacted, right? <laughs> like, right. wow, we see an opportunity in this, boom. Now, obviously, there were still the swindlers and the other people, you know, seeing the short-term gain, like, oh, I can sell my toilet paper for $12 oh, yeah. a roll and, and hand sanitizer for 30 bucks a, a bottle. Yeah, that was crazy. Wow. But, but that that plays into, into the importance of character. Right. And, and we've all seen what happens when companies, even at the CEO level and the, the upper management level, when their character doesn't match their values, you know, ultimately things will collide. So we will be right back after this short break. This episode is sponsored by the newly released book, The Entrepreneur Mindset Shift, Growth Characteristics of Success by Robert C. Peterson, available on Amazon. Or you can order a personalized signed copy at addvalue, the number two, life.com. Addvalue to life.com forward slash shift. If you enjoyed the show, please like and subscribe. Leave a review. Tell your friends. Welcome back. Let's get back to more greatness. You, you've worked in, and, and had the privilege of, of being around you know, incredibly successful people, both in sport and in business. Um, how important is character? Character is it's it's I don't want to say it's everything, but it's it's almost everything because <laughs> it, it, character you know um, kind of sifts into ethics, values, and all that. And I think in in our the internet world, right? Anybody can launch a website. Anybody can say they're an expert, and I think we've all seen that, right? And 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 um, if I get one more LinkedIn message from a person saying they're a LinkedIn guru, I'm going to shoot myself. <laughs> uh, there are i mean everybody's a linkedin guru now right and they show you their twenty thousand connections and they show you their engagement and all their things right and they say i can do this for you and it's five thousand dollars or whatever it is and i've been pitched all of that but um i definitely think that it's when you think of character it really you can't hide it because because the, the truth comes out you can, you can sell a story, you can sell things and, and present yourself a certain way. But if somebody, let's say, hires you on what you, you presented, but then your, your true character was you didn't know what you were talking about. 
Well, gosh, dang, that's going to come out real quick. Right. And you're not going to be in business very long because the word's going to get out. So one thing about the Internet is online reviews, <laughs> peer to peer networks. I mean, the word gets out and, and your gig is over real quick. So I think character is um, and, you know, it's kind of sad because I think we've all been hit so hard with sales pitches. I don't care if even LinkedIn, Facebook, doesn't matter where. I mean, even Instagram, for God's sake, I get DMs on Instagram from people saying, you know, all kinds of stuff. Right. So I think it's it's sad, but I think the Internet has kind of leveled the playing ground for a lot of it, because if you do bad, the word's going to get out and, you, and you, it's over. I mean, you're, you're not going to be in business, so you better find your next gig. Well, and, and you know, thinking of the bad sales, they're still going door to door. <laughs> There's still sure. salespeople going door to door. Uh, they're still they're still dialing up my phone trying to sell me a car Crazy. warranty. Um, you know, I mean, all of these things. And the sad thing is that all of those kind of muddy the waters for the people that really do bring value, right? And and those of us that are bringing value are are sometimes lost in the in the mud because people are obviously we're we're distrusting and we're turned off by the by the sales pitch and so how do you how do you show that you have value and that you know obviously you need to know your market you need to know your niche you need to know the problem that you solve but you know what is the best way for a company to to put themselves out there and and say hey i bring value to the marketplace and and i can help you you know what it is? In my humble opinion, here's what it is. And the millennials are, are the first generation that really almost demanded this. And it's called transparency. Mm. Transparency. And I'll give you like a great example of that. So millennials are um, not all of them, but as a group, um, you know, they grew up on the Internet. They're instant gratification individuals, instant. Right. So, um, for example, if they land on a Web page or a website, a company website, and they've got to put some effort into finding out, let, let's say, how much something costs. They're not happy. They are not happy. And I've had so many talks with, with clients. Now, in certain business sectors, I mean, it, it's way different. There's lots of uh, elements involved that, that create a pricing structure. So, you know, I'm not going to, depending who I'm talking to, I'm not going to say, you know, hey, John, you know, you got to say your pricing and it's some, you know, software program or you, you can't. It's not across the board, but even to the point of the more transparent you can be on, like, let's say your website, the more trusting you're going to be early on. And um, for a lot of the smaller businesses and let's say the local home service businesses, say your bloody prices right on your website. Like if you're a landscaping company. You know, our rates are $110 a month, and here's what we do for the $110 a month. If you are a pool cleaning service, here's what I charge. Mm. If you're a HVAC company and I come out and repair, you know, here's and, – and a lot of – the pushback I get from a lot of clients would be something like, well, the price ranges. It varies. And I say, well, then put the range, right? Then say it could be this or it could be this depending on what we find. And so that's just one example of being transparent. I think everybody, you know, um, when you think of social media, right? Social media, uh, some of the biggest and most popular social media accounts are human beings that are really transparent. They pick this thing up, no fancy makeup, no nothing, and they just go, right? 
those are the ones that explode because they're just being real human beings. Mm. So I think when you take it to that corporate level, you have to kind of think, how can we bring this down to a humanistic level? How can we, even from the first impression of our website, bring it to a level where they don't, you don't make somebody feel like they're dealing with a big corporation, make them feeling, feel like them, they're dealing with a human entity, a mm -hmm. human entity, right? And if you can get that across early on on a website, you're, you're ahead of the game. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. And, if, and then, of course, if you're a human that solves a problem and tells them how much you charge for it, <laughs> make it easy for them to give you money. Well, well, and you know, and at that point, either they say yes or they say no. But right. at least they know everything. And you know, I'm a big proponent of, of content and video marketing. And there's a gentleman on LinkedIn. And I'm gonna give his name out right now. He's amazing, Marcus Sheridan. Marcus Sheridan has been been doing video marketing for, and um, I've been doing video marketing about as long as him, which I, I can probably say that. But he was one of the first guys. Gosh, I mean, 15 years ago that said, tell your prices on your website, be transparent. And he still today, he's having to say that because guess what? Most people are still not adopting that approach. Well, we got to get them on it. We got to get them on a sales call and we got to, we got to see how much they have. And then we got to, and then we got to adjust it. And, and then, you know, now that we got our hooks into them, then we tell them that it's $15,000. You know, it gets so annoying when, when you get pitched, Everybody makes a decision based on the financial. It's 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 an emotional decision, but it's still how much is this going to cost me? And so so why would you not just say right up front on your website or just say how much it's going to cost? So the, you know, in marketing we call it addressing the elephant in the room. <laughs> Address the elephant in the room, right? Which is here it is. Here it is. I know what you're going to ask me. You're going to ask me how much this costs. Let me tell you how much it costs. Well, if, if people in companies did that more often, it's very refreshing because now, you, now I didn't have to ask you. And now I know if you're in the ballpark, like if you're $10,000 for whatever your service is and my budget was $5,000, well, I'm going to say, hey, you know, I really appreciate that. You look like you have an amazing service. It's just outside of my budget. So let's save a lot of time here. And, you know, and I wish you well. Boy, you just took you know, you took it down to a 60 second call and there's no hard feelings. It's a, it was a business decision. You charge more than my budget allowed. So I want to thank you for your time and, and uh, you know, good luck. Boom. Well, and that doesn't sound like a no either. Right. Whereas you no. get the sales call and you go through all that trouble you've spent. Now you've got an hour invested in them. And in your mind, you're saying, whoo, we got a lost cost here, lost cost here in this hour yeah. that I've spent. So now I got to close it. Right. Yeah. And so, so now you're a little desperate sales dude at the end of the call saying, you know, well, what, what, what can I do to, what can I do to sweeten the pot? What can I do to make this, make this deal go down? And, and you're, you're right back into sleazy salesman mode. Well, and you, and you start pressuring the person. Now pressure comes, even, even at the beginning, you say, Hey, I'm going to give you a no pressure call. No pressure call, right? And then all of a sudden, that went out the window. You know, like as time goes on, like you said, when when they've invested thirty minutes, forty minutes, fit, now all of a sudden that salesperson's going, "I got to close this deal. I've been on here for." I, they're looking at their watch, going, it, "It's been fifty minutes. I got to." And then the pressure comes in, and then the person that took that call says, "Okay, you told me no pressure. You just pressured me." There you go. But, and and the sad thing is that it 
you find out well, they're probably not a good fit anyway, right? After, after so an they're, hour. They're, they're either not a fit by price or they're not a fit by, by the solution that you offer. And if you to put those things out in the first place, but yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting how often prices, prices hidden and, and you can't get the price unless you get on a call and you can't, and, and that leads to the sleazy sales tactics or, right. or the NLP or the manipulation um, where, where they're, you know, you know, like, oh, I'd like to, I'd like to have a chat with my wife, you know, right. I don't make the financial decisions in our household by myself. Yep. You know, yep. Well, you, you have to do this deal now or, or, you know, the, the, the special goes away. That's the one that always bothers me is yeah, the if the price is good today, the price will be good tomorrow. And if it's not, then I don't want it. Right. Yeah. No, it, it's sad that even in 2022, that still happens mm. because, it, you know, come on now. Just but I, I think if uh, if people were more transparent and, and really your website is a vehicle. It's, it's your online brand, number one. So there's so many bad websites that need to be redone. We've built over 500 websites for clients, 500 of them. And I've analyzed over 2,500 websites in the last 12 years, 2,500 wow. of them. Yeah. And just, you know, because I, I go through the usability and and um, conversion, CRO, conversion rate optimization on a website. And, and I've done it to um, companies that have 20, you know, 20, 30 million dollars in revenue. And I'll tell you a funny little story about uh, websites. And this would be great for your listeners. Um, this is a great, um, a great test that you should do. If you've got a website, um, do a view source on your website. You can right click and that kind of pulls up all the source of your website, including your content. And do a find, use the find feature and type in the word we. The word we, right? And when you do... If there's more than three or four on one <laughs> web page, that you you are making that whole entire web page about you and not about that visitor that you're trying to solve their problem. And I had a gentleman, um, a CEO of a $15 million company, very, very, you know, very confident. I'm not let's just say he's a very confident guy. And I and I, I was doing a screen share and I pulled up his website and their website, should I say. And I did that that little test and I said, so sir, um, a website, the purpose of a website is to provide value to the visitor to make that help them make an informed decision to buy your service or product. And he says, yep, I agree with that. And I said, great, perfect. So I did that little little view, view source and, and did the word we. And because it was through that the computer, it was highlighted. The word we, 26 times on their homepage. It was lit up like a Christmas tree. 26 times the word we. And I said, you need to take the word we out and put you and your. Replace it with you and your. So that, that's a good test for anybody with their website. I don't care if it's an entrepreneur, a consultant, whoever you are, every page of your website, see how often you say the word we, us, or our. Those three words make reference to yourself and change we, us, or our to you and your. Wow. That, that, that little change right there is going to make people feel like you're speaking to them. But when you say we, 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 we all over the place, it's you're making it about you. Wow. That's impressive. <laughs> well, it's, it's a simple little, but it's so profound. And even it gets you thinking about it when you're talking to somebody to not say me, 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 me. It's, it's about them. Tell me about your business. What are your challenges? What keeps you up at night? Where do you feel like you could improve? And that's what I love doing as a consultant. 
I right. like getting on calls like that and finding out what keeps you, because I am speaking to a human that might be a CEO, that could be a business owner, a founder, but I am still speaking to a human that owns that business. So we're, we're human to human now. It's human nice. to human. So tell me, tell me how it's affecting your life. I mean, do you got a family? Do you have kids? Yeah, it's very stressful. And, and I, I kind of get in, I get in a little deeper to find out what's their, their reason why they want to take their business to the next level. And when I, when I find out a strong enough reason why, that's a pretty good fit for me because I know they're hungry. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. So you mentioned a few things you love to do in your free time, but what do you love to do in your free time? Oh, God. It's, it's a lot of working out still, unfortunately. Uh, but uh, um, I love road trips, spontaneous road trips. So I'll do – I live in Arizona, and I love the beach. So I will jump in – I will decide the night before I'm going to L.A. for three days. And the night before, nice. and I'll, I'll pack a bag, jump in my car, drive six hours, and I'm on the beach. So I do a lot of road trips, and we go up to – I just got back from Sedona two days ago, um, and Sedona is just magical. It's just – and it's two hours for us. It's a two-hour drive. And so I hiked two different hikes in Sedona, and it was just amazing. I mean, just those red mountains, just – they do something to you. So uh, I like – you know, I like road trips. I like uh, – I like just socializing with people. I just, I like to hear people's story. I like to hear people's passion. I like to, when people really light up and talk about what they like to do, I feed off that. That's a really cool thing to hear people talk about their passion. So that, that's something fun for me. Nice. Yeah. Well, speaking of passion, so what inspires you? Boy, um, that's a good one. Um, I think when I see people that are successful, uh, Jeff Bezos, Amazon, right? I mean, here was a company that for how many quarters? I don't know. Don't quote me. 19 quarters. They weren't making any money. And everybody said, this thing sucks. This thing sucks. You know, this is going to go under. This is going to go under. Well, how's Amazon doing now? I just got a delivery about an hour ago. And I placed that order yesterday. Yesterday. Yeah, he's, he's feeding He's feeding that microwave expectation. Oh, my <laughs> God. He, I mean, so, you know, so when I, when I, when I see people like him, that went against the grain that, that, you know, I love the underdog. I've always loved the underdog, right? Like, see, even, even in college, I blew up my knee throwing the jab when I was a sophomore. I was picked to be an NCAA All-American that year. And I blew up my knee, and um, it was bad. It was really, really – I tore – there's four ligaments in your knee. I tore three out of the four off the bone. Off the bone. Nice. Threw off the bone. Nice. And Overachiever. The, yeah, well, the orthopedic came in and said, I'm done. He said, you're, 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 you're done. Athletics is over for you. And I mm -hmm. kind of gave him the middle finger. I'm not going to show you in camera what that is, but I kind of <laughs> gave him the middle finger and I said, yeah, no, that's not going to happen. And then the very next year I qualified for the Pac-10 championships, blah, 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 and off I went. So that I like, I like being an underdog and I like reading underdog stories like Jeff Bezos and all these companies where everybody just said, you're not going to make it. You are not going to make it. And then they prove everybody wrong. I find that very inspiring. Nice. Absolutely. Well, and, and, and the challenge is now, now everybody hates him, of course, and, and they hate the, the, the results that he's, that he's created um, because they, they feel like, Oh, we want one. Or, you know, if you'd only share it or, you know, all these scarcity mindset ideals that, that uh, you know are envious or 
rather than appreciating it and saying, man, look at the work, look at the work that he did. You know, there's too many entrepreneurs still that want somebody else's results without yeah. wanting to do their work. Without the work. Yep. I mean, look at another guy I like, Elon Musk. Hmm. Elon Musk. I mean, look at what he's done. I mean, Tesla, right? I mean, I mean, I've got strong opinions about Tesla and I actually bought one hmm. um, uh, about six months ago. And it's the most amazing car I've ever had in my lifetime. It nice. is it is, and I just bought the lower level one, so I don't want to sound like I'm out there buying fancy cars. But I, uh, it was uh, I'd saved up for it, worked very hard for it, like I do everything in my life. And um, I'm a fanboy. I hate to say it, but Elon Musk is, and you know Tesla. A lot of people for a long time said you're you're not going to make it, dude. I mean, this isn't going to make it. You're and he his story is, I think he put his last three or four million dollars into Tesla to keep it running. Is what he says. Now that there could be a little bit of stretch there, but but I believe it. I believe that you know he was probably in a bad situation financially with Tesla, and he put his own money in and said, "I believe in it." Now look at it. I mean, God, people are waiting for six months to get a car now from him. Absolutely Pretty impressive. Well, and 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 it's not the only company he's building. At the same time, he's no. building SpaceX because he wants to solve other problems and and. Uh, and so, yeah, very, very ambitious and and, and just, you know, a, a go getter. And and so that's we can either learn from them or we can sit back and go, oh, that's not fair. Yeah, I, I don't. <laughs> it's I don't absolutely think... fair. I love it because like Wallace D. Waddles says, if if he can do it, then that means you could do it. Well, and a lot of them will tell you that. I mean, when Jeff Bezos started selling books on the Internet, they all laughed. They were like, what are you doing? selling books on the internet. And then he buries Borders bookstores. He almost wipes out, you know, with Barnes and Noble, you know, and it's like, whoa, okay. So this, but when, when he first told everybody that the story way back, way back when, you know, I'm, I'm going to sell books on the internet. People are like, you're, you're, you're crazy. You've gone crazy. Right. So well, and books were only books were only the entryway. And he oh. knew he had a bigger, a much bigger plan. And what's even crazier is that, a big piece of their business isn't selling. It's the internet. Oh, of course. <laughs> he, it's, owns, he owns the internet. <laughs> Amazon web services are, are as much of the backbone and infrastructure because he needed that for his business to be able to work. He's created and innovated in all of these internet spaces right alongside Google. So he, Amazon is as much a tech company as it was. Oh, a 100%. He's, yeah. he's, built a, he's built a logistics company. And, okay. and a trucking company, yeah, absolutely. And, and it, yeah, he's he's knocked out all those big players as far as the trucking companies go. So it's, warehouse um, warehouse spaces in every single city in the United States. Uh, yeah, there it, it's incredible what what not thinking you know not being caught inside the box has allowed them you know to do and to innovate and to create and 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 it and it still boils down to the same basic problem you and I started with solving a problem getting compensated for it and and you started out mowing lawns solving a problem getting paid five bucks yeah <laughs> and, yep. and that's that's really at the heart of entrepreneurship and and the entrepreneurs like elon musk and jeff bezos they just think about problems in a whole different light and oh, they, their create, brain is just they create elegant solutions that that other people and it's 
And it's because they're prepared and they're seeing the opportunities and they're creating those opportunities. Um, Steve and that's Jobs what's and so Apple. Amazing. Steve Jobs and Apple, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, come on. Well, like, and if he hadn't, and if he hadn't gotten fired from Apple, isn't that crazy? He wouldn't what? have started. Oh, he wouldn't have started Pixar. So we I have mean, Pixar today because he got fired from Apple, and then of course got rehired back at Apple and took it to an even an even higher level. And so, yeah, just just yeah, it's incredible what what the there's human. So many stories out there, and and there's a lot. There's I mean, it's and it's not just men. It's men and women both that have done amazing, amazing things. And um, I think it's cool that when you see the successful driven women that have done it too. You know, it's it's damn cool. Like when you see both sexes doing it and really, um, and I see it on LinkedIn all the time. I see a lot of posts on LinkedIn, you know, where some woman, you know, CEO or founder has built something really impressive. It is so cool to see that, right? Because it's this is not a male, female thing. It is. No, it's, absolutely it's, not. It's, it's human. It's a human thing. Human. Yeah. It's a human thing. And we were created to create. And, and the humans that take on creation in that way and start creating elegant solutions to yeah. to human problems, incredible things happen. Um, and I and I I agree with you. I'm inspired by by all of those things and, and inspired by the possibility and the potential that I have within me to yeah. to solve those kinds of problems and to serve people at that level. Yeah, well, and I think um, in closing, um, you said something about 10 minutes ago that was really important. I feel like there, I've had the mindset that there's opportunity all around us. There literally is opportunity. And so when I think a lot of people live a life of like sort of like in this little bubble and they, they really don't just step outside that bubble, even a foot outside that bubble, just, just look around you. There's opportunity everywhere. You know, and even jobs, right? Like I was uh, talking to a young kid a while back and they're like, oh, there's no jobs available. And the day he said that to me, well, he, this was crazy. The day he said that to me, I went out. Um, I think I went to like a Sprouts grocery store down the road and it was in a strip mall. Well, there was a Michael's craft store. Michael's, right? It's a craft store. Now hiring 19 bucks an hour. Two stores down, there was another store and I forgot what it was. Now hiring 15 bucks. I went across the street, Target, now hiring 16 bucks. I just saw three in 10 minutes, and that the, the young kid told me, you know, there's no jobs. I, there's jobs everywhere. In fact, I, I guarantee that the majority of entrepreneurs that I speak to that are building their business and scaling, their biggest challenge in 2022 is hiring. Hiring. And, it, and, and it's the exact opposite of the great resignation, right? It's the, there, there is a great deal of opportunity out there to, to learn business, to be involved in business, to help businesses grow, um, to do all the things that are, are, are big challenges. We've got a whole bunch of people in our country right now that are stuck in a comfort zone that's defined by Netflix and chill. And yeah. if the job doesn't match that, they, they don't, they don't want to get involved with it. And, and of course, jobs are going to have to come part way. And I think companies sure. like Google and Amazon are recognizing ways that they can provide service and value to their employees. And they're going to, they're going to, they're going to, they're not going to lose out in this, right? No. They're going to still be hiring, you know, McDonald's still recognizes itself as wanting to be the best first employer. What a, what a great model, right? To, yeah, to recognize cool. we, 
we want to be the best first employer to set people up for success in their future. But recognizing that this is an entry level job. Yeah. This isn't a this isn't a life sustaining job. This is a job for the kid still living at home with mom and dad, getting his work experience in, getting yep. himself prepared. It's not a job for him when he's in his 30s trying to raise a family with a wife and yeah. kids at home. Right. And, and I think there's people in our culture that expect every single job to be that kind of job. Oh, for sure. And 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 it's just not it's not realistic for the companies. It's not realistic for the cost of living. It, it, and there there still has to be entry level jobs where people get their feet wet. Right. Learn yeah. what business is. And then guess what? You learn some skills, you get the next level job. And then you learn some more skills, you get the next level job. You, you don't start out as the CEO of Tesla. No, no. no. <laughs> and, well, you know, I, I think guess what? Elon Musk didn't either. Oh, yeah. He started oh, with yeah. PayPal. No, it's, everybody has their story. Everybody has their climb, you know, up to where they were at. And I think we're I think we're in one of the most exciting times in our in our lifetime. Right. Think mm -hmm. about it. I mean, you know, with with remote work now being so common, I mean, it, it opens the doors for so many opportunities. Right. And I mean, even think of I, I thought about this the other day. I woke up at like three in the morning one morning. I'm kind of weird. I, I my mind gets going. And I thought about like disabled individuals, mm. disabled, right? physically disabled. And I thought, oh my God, remote work, just get in front of that computer. I mean, you, you know, it, it's the opportunities are endless with remote work. And um, I've been fortunate enough to have kind of specifically designed my life, my whole entire life around a flexible work environment, which is working for myself. Um, and have I been busy sometimes to where it's, I've had eight, 10, 12 hour days. Of course I have, of course I have, but overall I I, I'm not, I can't put a price on my freedom. I've just never been that guy to, to put a price on my freedom. I, I, I could not, I could not go to a corporate office Monday through Friday, eight to five. I've never done it and I couldn't do it now for sure. Well, and that's one of the advantages of being an entrepreneur is you can design your business around the lifestyle that you want. And, and you can design the business to grow to the level of Amazon exactly. and you're working or hiring or scaling, or you can design a business to, to grow to the level of, hey, I get six figures a year and that's that's taking care of me and it's setting aside enough for my family and my future. Yep. That's the great thing about entrepreneurship is you get to decide. And and when it's outside of your design, you get to pull it back and say, wait, yeah. this yeah. is mine. I, yeah. can, I can do it at the level that I want. And, and, you know, the freedom of time and money for some is more important than others or the ability to just solve these massive problems and create scale is the is the priority for others but it's based on your values and your desires and your dream and that's what's so great about entrepreneurship and the freedoms we have in this country is that you get to choose you know it's interesting um and i and we could talk forever on this but Probably. Uh, i pulled up i pulled up a job listing out of just out of, out of you know craps and giggles i won't say the other word but i pulled out a job listing on linkedin for like some kind of marketing position um because i was just curious what's going on out in the world right and this marketing position, it I could not believe what I read. It was like a list of like 50 things that they, they want that one individual to do. It was like 50 things. You must do this, 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 this. And it went all the way down the deal, all the way down. And it was like a $75,000 a year job. I'm not sure what it was. But I looked at that and I thought, no hum one human being could ever take on all that responsibility and to pay them seventy-five thousand, you know, seventy-five thousand dollars for 
a 20 year old, 28 year old, my, that's okay, right? For a family, no. But but that list that that I read, I was a, I almost felt appalled. I thought that's ridiculous. We're setting them up to fail. I mean, well, and people are going to get in there, and they're going to be like, "This is too much," and I'm not getting paid enough. You're, I'm putting in 50, 60 hours a week to try to cover half of what you wanted me to do. And I thought this is where employers they have to change. They have got to fix this because. When I read that list of 40 things that one individual is expected to do in that job for $75,000 a year, I thought that that's not going to work. That is not going to work. Just so you you've got to find a balance between you know setting up a realistic expectation of your employees and then compensate them based on that. Mm, absolutely. All right, Michael, what uh, what's your big dream? Um, just keep going for a while longer. Um, just. <laughs> I've got another five or seven years of grinding and, and, and working with companies and consulting. And, and then after that, um, I'll probably do a lot of traveling. Um, but uh, no, I, I love what I do. I, I, you know, a lot of people say it, I really, really do. I, I love the challenge of, of marketing and, and, and businesses that are maybe not getting success in it. And I come in and oversee what they're doing. <laughs> Um, yeah, so that's kind of what I see in the near future, but I definitely see in seven years or so, I, I want to travel. I mean, pretty extensively. So that'll be, that'll be next on my bucket list. Nice. All right. So you spend an hour just having that coffee with that young entrepreneur and in the middle of growing their business and you want to leave them with Michael's words of wisdom. What would you share? God, I mean, you said it early on. It, it, it's your network. It's who, you know, it's, 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 it's opening your ears, even in public, listen, you know, it's, it sounds kind of voyeuristic, but you know, if you're in line at a Starbucks, listen to people talk. If you're in line in a grocery store, open your ears up and listen because you never know who you're standing next to. And um, you know, that's when you cause you know, as remote work becomes more popular, we're, we're going to be living in a box. It's, it's this right here. Right. We're living in a box. And, and I've lived in a box for a long time. And I, I sometimes go out to coffee shops when I don't have any client call schedule that day and just have a lot of like grind work to do. I go to a coffee shop for six hours because I want to get the heck out of my house. Right. right. So, but so I network. Um, and, and you know what, like you talk, I'm looking right behind you and add value, add value. If you can approach every individual and say, how can I help you? You know, what, what can I do for you? If you can start a conversation like that, that you're well on your way to success because you're starting it with, how can I help you? And mm -hmm. I think that would be probably my biggest piece of advice for a young, young person would be, how can I help you network as much as you can and open your ears and wherever you're at in your life, open your ears up and pay attention. Nice. Michael, thank you for taking the time today. I appreciate you jumping on the show and just had a great conversation. I appreciate all the wisdom and experience you've shared. You are so very welcome. And thank you for having me. If you enjoyed the show, please like, subscribe, or leave a review. We have a free gift for you at addvaluemindset.com. That's addvaluemindset.com. We've collected some of the best mindset secrets shared by successful entrepreneurs on our podcast and we want to give them to you for free. ADDValueMindset.com In our next episode, Jacqueline Whitmore is an international etiquette expert, 
a certified speaking professional and the founder of the Protocol School of Palm Beach. She's the author of Business Class, Etiquette Essentials for Success at Work, and Poised for Success, Mastering the Four Qualities that Distinguish Outstanding Professionals. She is also a contributing writer to entrepreneur.com and HuffPost. Ranked as one of the most widely quoted etiquette experts in the world, Jacqueline's advice is sought by countless media outlets. 